Today on the CIBC Innovation Banking Podcast. In many cases, the revenue is the same and the company continues to perform as it did previously. Now, obviously, this does not hold true in all areas. For example, if you're in B2C, in some cases, you've had a complete destruction of your revenue. If you're in the SMB market, you've had significant churn. But in the enterprise kind of pure B2B software market, if you are providing software that is a must-have to the running of the enterprise, typically you've seen those companies bounce back pretty quickly. Here is Michael Hainsworth. COVID-19 has not hit the startup community equally. Companies with exposure to the consumer are being hit harder than those exposed to the enterprise market. But Tony Van Marken points out even that is no guarantee of success as coronavirus disrupts business models at all levels. And while he is a fan of disruption, this isn't how he likes to see it come about. So I'm not referring necessarily to disruption caused by COVID-19. Obviously, that has serious health implications and loss of human life and, and economic uh, consequences. I'm really talking about it from a technology perspective. I operate as a VC in the technology ecosystem and by definition, you know, we work in a world where we're looking to invest in companies that are trying to disrupt the status quo, utilizing technology. But saying that COVID-19 has caused disruption in the world in which I operate. And it's interesting to see how companies react and deal with that. I think COVID-19 obviously has created a, a different level of, of disruption in the, in the tech ecosystem. And I think what's interesting to see is how companies react to that and the kind of playbook that they execute. You know, I can take you through our view of, of how that's worked out, if you like. Absolutely, because I'd love to hear what kind of criteria you use as an investor in emerging tech companies to, to help you decide um, where to go from here, because regardless as to the implications of COVID-19, we all must react, and we're all being judged based upon how we react to this pandemic. Absolutely, Michael. So I think what we've seen is that you know companies go through a process of recalibrating their operating budgets. They relocate their staff to, to the home. They set up a work-from-home protocol. They put in the system security, hardware infrastructure to do that. Most companies that are cloud-based can do that very easily and seamlessly. Companies that aren't, it's a lot harder. The second step then is to, to look at your operating budgets. Headcount, how do you reduce discretionary expenditure? There are very obvious things you can do like travel, conferences, et cetera, disappear. But then you have to be very discerning about how you manage all of the operating costs in the business. Because just freezing headcount or reducing cost doesn't help if you are then negatively impacting customer delivery or product development or customer retention. So you have to work through this very methodically. And I think in our view, the one benefit of this disruption is it has forced management teams to look at their businesses very critically. It's interesting in a sort of pre-COVID-19 world, perhaps companies have enough cash or, en or enough funding that they tend to be less focused on some of those elements. But now in this new world, everyone is focused on liquidity and, and runway and what does the forecast look going forward and focusing on really some fundamental business principles, which I think should have been followed in any event. Such as? Typically managing 
managing the growth of a typical software company. And what I've noticed across the ecosystem of companies have made some layoffs, but it's interesting that in many cases, the revenue is the same and the company continues to perform as it did previously. Now, obviously this does not hold true in all areas. For example, if you're in B2C, in some cases you've had a complete destruction of your revenue. If you're in the SMB market, you've had significant churn. But in the enterprise kind of pure B2B software market, if you are providing software that is a must have to the running of the enterprise, typically you see those companies bounce back pretty quickly. When we were in the middle of the blast radius during March, there was a drop off in sales activity. Everyone was transitioning. It was tough to get meetings. Uh, there was a huge loss of activity. But what we've seen in our portfolio now is that companies have come back, they've accepted this new normal, and I know that's an overused term, but negotiating online, closing deals online, and particularly when you're in large contract values with companies in the, I'd say, pre-COVID-19 world, at some point you had a face-to-face -face meeting with a Fortune 500 customer to close a deal. But now that's been eliminated, and both parties accept that that's not possible, and there's a new way of doing business, and it's interesting to see how companies have completely adapted to that new playbook. So then draw on your own successes and failures as a chief executive officer. Help us understand what we can be doing as those who are running our own companies to succeed through this environment. Yeah, so I think for every chief executive running a business, you know, this is clearly a test of leadership. And, um, you know, I've had the pleasure to work with a lot of um, CEOs of our portfolio companies through this. And I'd say by and large, they've all adapted really well. You know, there are some very basic things I think everyone has to focus on, you know, clearly taking care of your people and how you do that and how you communicate and getting out ahead of this pandemic. You know, we had one case of one of the executives in our company getting COVID-19 and what do you do when that happens and you realize you need to have a backup plan at every level in your organization in terms of can someone else do your job if you're incapacitated for a certain period of time that person recovered he's fine so i think that the messaging the leadership the empathy that you show with your teams i think clearly we've seen after two or three months michael that People are zoomed out. You know, there's definitely a mental health challenge in companies as people are restricted and just working from home. You have to be incredibly sensitive to those things. But equally, you need to be still ambitious and driven and focused and resilient and persevere through this with your team, um, motivating them to build a great company, to adjust to this particular COVID-19 playbook and I think it's a question of not saying what is COVID-19 doing to us, but what are the opportunities that come out of this? How can we build a stronger business? How can we use this, this moment in time to improve all the elements of our business? Because I believe you very quickly see which parts of your company are exposed in this type of environment. And this gives you an opportunity to make some significant improvements in my view come out stronger. So I think chief executives have a key leadership role to play. I think what I've also noticed is the chief executives who've been through 2008 
deal with this a lot better than the millennial CEO who was very young in 2008 and has really not seen a bear market at all on Wall Street. So these are new lessons learned for the younger CEOs, but I think they are valuable lessons learned in building a stronger ecosystem going forward. I saw an interesting tweet from a millennial. The next time you're at a job interview and they ask you, do you have any questions? You ask them how they responded to COVID-19, and that will help you make a decision as to whether or not you want to work for that company. I can imagine as a venture capital firm, you get to ask that exact same question because you're looking to hear the exact same answer. That's a very good point, Michael. I hadn't thought about that, but this becomes, I guess, a leading interview question um, for employer employers and employees. But as a VC, for us, it would be, you know, sitting down with the management team and asking them, what did you do in the first 30 days? You know, what did you do in 90 days? What changes did you make to your business? How did you adapt? What went well? What didn't go so well? Did you build a stronger company as a result? So I think it's going to be a very interesting case study for all of us, whether you're on the investment side, you know, how did we as VCs manage portfolios through COVID-19? How did individual companies adapt and thrive or not? I, I think one of the fundamental changes, Michael, I think for investors will be when you look at a company and if you have a view that pandemics are going to be, you know, could, could reoccur, is the target company susceptible to that type of event? Because you're, if you're in a company that's in travel or leisure, for example, and you lost all your revenue, it could be pretty difficult raising money for those types of companies going forward. As they adapt, are you willing to even look at a company that hasn't adjusted its strategy or isn't seeking new opportunities to ensure their continued success in the reopen? I, I wonder if your investment criteria has changed such that only those who have engaged in that Darwin evolution are the ones that attract attention from you. So that's a great question. You know, we, we look at the, the operational resilience of these companies. So when we're looking at new investments, most of our criteria have not changed. So what do I mean by operational resilience? Well, can the target company adapt kind of up or down in terms of their operating model? So for example, if the data indicates they should be cutting back, can they do that fairly effectively, but equally, if the data indicates that growth's possible and there's new bookings opportunities and, and there's customer demand, can you gear up equally as quickly? And the other element of, what, of operational resilience that we look at is, is revenue. And in the enterprise SaaS world with recurring revenue, not all recurring revenue is created equal. So for example, you know, you could have a three-year recurring revenue contract with a Fortune 500 company of $100,000 a year, and it's a fixed amount. But if that amount is linked to seat count or employee growth or usage or transactions, and your target customer has a revenue shortfall in their business and their businesses experiencing a downturn, by definition, what you're able to bill is going down. And so that effectively creates a level of revenue churn in the business and reduces the kind of resilience of the actual software company. 
So we look very carefully at how software companies contract with their customers to get a better understanding of the resilience of their revenue streams. Any startup that can build its business during a global pandemic is clearly one that's going to be able to take off once we get on the other side of this. Absolutely. There are some great opportunities that have emerged during this pandemic that are specific to the pandemic. And I'll give you an example. We have an investment in a company which is in telemedicine and it provides virtual healthcare. Their business absolutely exploded from the middle of March to today. They have hired over 400 healthcare professionals to join their team. And Michael, I'm not sure if you've needed to go to a healthcare professional during the last three months, but I had the misfortune of actually breaking my hand and had to get to a doctor in a hospital, but subsequently needed some physio and needed to see an orthopedic surgeon, all managed online. You know, there, there are some brand new opportunities emerging because of this pandemic, but to your fundamental point, companies that can get through this and thrive are clearly providing something that's essential to the enterprise and that bodes well for their future. How do you trade off growth versus liquidity in this environment as an investor? That's a great question. So what we've looked at very carefully in companies where we think the growth is going to be substantially lower, we've optimized for the cash runway of the company. And so in certain cases, we've made budget adjustments and reduced headcount with a view to looking at, let's say, 24 to 30 months of runway before we would need to refund those companies. So I think you need to look very carefully, you know, as a VC in, in, in my position at each company and what are the criteria you would need to raise your next level of funding? What metrics do you need to, to achieve to get there? And what current resources do you have to build the business? And how do you optimize the amount of time you have to get there? You know, we've had to look at that very carefully. Driving growth for growth's sake in this type of environment, I think, is not sensible. I think Q1, we really had one month of disruption. Q2 is going to be much more informative generally to the entire market about how companies are doing. And, you know, Q3, depending on how things are opened up in the economy globally, you know, we would expect some uptick in Q3 from, from Q2. So you have to look at your data that's driving the business and be prepared to continue to make adjustments. We effectively run rolling 90-day budget review cycles with companies and expect to continue to do that as we get through this pandemic. That would give you an interesting indicator about where the industry is in its recovery on COVID-19. If you're doing rolling three-month budgets, basically, would that not give you a leading indicator about coming out on the other side? Uh, yes and no. I mean, look, we're looking at sort of our narrow niche in which we operate across our portfolio, but certainly we get very interesting data. So we've noticed, for example, Fortune 500 companies have made a pretty effective transition in terms of the acquisition and deployment of software. We look at the tempo of activity of sales teams in the enterprise. Do we have the same level of meetings um, and 
you know, customers reaching out as we did pre-COVID-19 to today, we see that as a leading indicator of what's happening in our target markets of the different portfolio companies where we are invested. So we get some early, I'd say, indicators of activity levels and the health of different companies as we go through this. Obviously, we're operating with you know, technology companies in different areas from investor relations to telemedicine to legal technology software. They're, they're all quite different. But you, in every case, you get very interesting data about activity in that target market that does give you some idea of the health of the economy and how it's coming back, at least in those particular markets. And what kind of levels do you need to see for you to feel confident that the worst would be behind us? Yes, yeah, so I, I think the way we look at it, look at it is we're not necessarily waiting for some particular milestone. We continue to look very actively for investment opportunities in the market. And we're looking for companies that provide a piece of technology that is essential to the running of an enterprise. That's the critical piece for us. If, if you can do that, and I guess it plays on the earlier point, whether you're in a pandemic-like situation today or not, you know, those are the companies that will do well. There are opportunities right now for companies to optimize their businesses and come through this stronger. Equally, and this is quite Darwinian, you know, companies with marginal business models before COVID-19 will find that they may not make it through this particular economic period. You know, if you think about some of the great successes of, of ecosystems like Silicon Valley, they're not just successful because of the successful companies. They do well because of the failures, because the failures create lessons learned for people. And the entrepreneurs and management teams who go through those go on to build other companies and learn from those successes and failures. So it's almost sometimes helpful to go through this because the strong companies should persevere, show resilience, and get through this and become much stronger, very successful companies. And Michael, I think we saw this post-2008. It was the same thing. You know, certain companies didn't make it, but other companies, you know, 12 to 18 months later, emerged as very strong players going forward. Tony, thank you so much for your time and insight. This has been great. Thanks, Michael. It's been a pleasure to be on your program. Tony Van Marken is the managing partner at First Ascent Ventures. I'm Michael Hainsworth. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Subscribe to the CIBC Innovation Banking Podcast with Michael Hainsworth at CIBC.com slash innovation banking.